Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today, we're discussing Chapter 8 of Book 2 of The Return of the King, The Scouring of the Shire. Now, that is not a, uh, a fun title. It's not something we wanted to have to uh, address, but here we are. So, uh, I feel like by now, you're familiar with our show, and I don't have to say hopefully. So, you're familiar with the show. Katie is going to take a brief moment to catch us up uh, with the calendar of Middle-earth. Today is October 6th, and after that she will give us a brief little nugget of wisdom in the form of Elvish Word of the Day. Chase will take a moment to recount the events of last week's readings, and then we will discuss what it means for the Shire to be scoured. I am John. I am Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, well, Katie, like I said, today is Thursday, October 6th. Take a moment to let that sink in. It's October. It's ridiculous, but here we go. I know. What is your uh, spooky <laughs> factoid? <laughs> I don't. Oh, man. Well, I guess what we're going to discuss today is kind of spooky, but no. Uh, today, uh, this week in Middle Earth, let's see. Rewinding back to September 30th in 3018, Frodo is leaving Bree and Gandalf comes to Crick Hollow and then reaches Bree at night. So there's the disconnect. Uh, come to October, let's see, um, October 1st in 3019, the hobbits were resting in Rivendell. Um, on this, on October 2nd, not in Middle-earth, but in real life, in 1980, the Unfinished Tales were published. Uh, oh, another fun... Um, Kowinky Dink on October 3rd in 3018 Gandalf was attacked uh, um, at night on Weathertop and then uh, oh yeah that's when we saw all that light yeah 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 and then just a couple days later on the 5th Gandalf is drawing the Nazgul away from Weathertop um, and then the next day today on the 6th Gandalf is heading for Rivendell after he has escaped Weathertop and the company is currently being attacked at Weathertop at night and Frodo is wounded. Moral of the story, don't go to Weathertop <laughs> at night in October. Don't go to Weathertop at night in October. That place is spooky. All right. Well, do you have a word today for us? I do. So the Elvish word of the day is Cinderin and the word... Oh, I know what that means. It means gray Elvish. <laughs> I meant the word, the Elvish word of the day is a Cinderin word, and that word is Tron, which, no <laughs> chase, not Tron. Fl Flynn lives? <laughs> Frodo lives. Oh. But Tron, T-R-A-N-N. Um, oh, I feel like I should know. I feel like I should recognize a root for this. Well... This word is perhaps the Cinderin name of the Shire. Uh, all, uh -huh. Although it perhaps could just be meaning a, a noun meaning administrative district or the division of a, or a division of a realm, but um, wow, that is a sexy word. I know, right? But it but it could also be considered as the Cinderin name of the Shire. I mean, in England, a Shire or, is an administrative district. Yeah, so yeah. yeah exactly. Or it could be one who fights for the users. <laughs> Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Honestly, though, I wasn't actually kidding. I find administrative 
districts very interesting. I just gave a talk at work and I like had this really long tangent where I was just explaining all of the different regulatory bodies that like operate within New York City, which is such a boring topic and I don't know why I find it so fascinating. And it's in moments that like like these that I find myself slowly turning to my father. <laughs> You know, did you ever have those yeah, moments those... when you were a kid and your dad's like, let's go to this like random battlefield and he'd read every plaque. And you're like, why is this interesting? And now it's not for me. It's not like Civil War battlefields, but it's like, oh, my God, a tour about historic preservation at blah, blah, blah. Sign me up. I'm doing that right now with the World Series yeah. starting up. I find myself very much becoming That's my father. That's when you know you're an adult. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that and my 401k. <laughs> but we digress. Yeah. Yes. Chase, yeah. uh, what did we do last week? Oh. Well, the hobbits were basically making their way back to the Shire, and with Gandalf in tow, they stopped in the village of Bree and spent a few nights, or was this one night? Well, they spent another night in Bree and spoke with the owner of the Prancing Pony, Butterbur. Yeah, Butterbur. I don't know why his name left Mr. my brain. Mr. P. Pony Prancington. Uh, <laughs> and we got some reconnective tissue or we got some reconnection back to Bree and things aren't so good in that area. Um, there's a lot of like foreshadowing that things in the Shire aren't so good and just things are odd. And Gandalf reassures him that everything's gonna be fine since there's a new king and Butterbur's like, well, I don't think a king would think much of this area. And it's like, oh, and Sam's like, oh, he actually, guess what? He really likes the beer because he's Strider and he's just a down at home, salty earth fellow like us. And that's basically what? Yeah. Strider's a king. Yeah. Yeah. That was the whole tone of that chapter. And then they, you know, departed and separated from Gandalf again because Gandalf had to go do something with Tom Bombadil because Tom Bombadil is... Would we define him as the true neutral or chaotic neutral or something? I don't know. He, I think I, I would, I would call him chaotic. Yeah, neutral. very much so. Who? But there's some, Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. Oh, Tom Bombadil. Well, no. Okay, so if we're really gonna have this conversation, clearly Tom Bombadil would be a paladin, <laughs> and I feel like he'd be chaotic good. That's true. Yeah. Chaotic oh, that's good. well. That's yeah. just straight up my. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. But anyway, they know that there's some. What do you think? What do you think Tom Bombadil's moral well, alignment so is? So the thing is, like, from one through third edition, uh, paladins had to be lawful good. So they relaxed it a little bit, but yeah. like you can't have an evil. Or he's either like a druid or a paladin, but. Yeah. No, he's clear. Yes. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, they know that there's some bad stuff going down in the Shire. And Gandalf's like, you guys can handle this yourself. I'm out. Well, it's not even you guys can handle this yourself. It's like you guys have been training to become leaders, whether or not you even know it. Yeah. Like, this is your yeah. time. I And I, I might be getting ahead of us on uh, the chapter. I didn't realize how on point Gandalf was until I read this chapter and then I realized not only for one this chapter was way longer than I thought it would be and covers way more ground than I thought it would uh Gandalf was 100% correct as Gandalf tends to be son but son Gandalf is always on point yeah it's it almost he's a very very delicate ballerina 
it might it might seem it might have felt like that Gandalf had read the next chapter before it it happened. Let's just say. I'm getting well, ahead of myself though. <laughs> yeah, let's let's dive in All right. then. So uh basically one of the last things Gandalf says to them before he leaves is he alludes to a gatehouse. And the hobbits are like, Oh, silly Gandalf, the gatehouse is on the other side of the Shire. We're coming from a safe place. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf is like, I think you're gonna notice that things have changed. And uh lo and behold, what do our hobbits come upon? But Things yeah. have changed. Yeah, they come They come to Brandywine br- Bridge, and the bridge is closed, for one thing, which is odd. And there's also this, like, hideous spiked gate. Uh, and, and there are all these new houses that have been built there, which, you know, just from the description of the houses, first off, should make you uh, kind of should give you pause because what are they they have two stories and what do we know about hobbits these are not hobbitish houses at all you know, come no. to think of it, hideous spiked gate is what i call my like shuffle when i'm really drunk and i'm trying not to fall over <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh clearly clearly things have changed and so they knock and they're like hey can we come in and uh that guard effectively is like can't you read the notice? No, no admittance between sundown and sunrise. And Sam, you you know how lovely Sam is, and how really all that this book is about is Sam's like beautiful kind of bemused retorts. Like if you take, I was gonna, s- yeah, I was just gonna say that my note on this is Sam sasses yes. back. So Sam yeah. is like, uh, no, it's dark. How could we read a sign? Yeah. Uh, and, and this in this chapter we get and from from all of our hobbits really we get some wonderful like just quick wit from all of them uh, calling people out you know uh, which is kind of like the 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 lighthearted happiness uh, that we can find in this chapter because as as we'll see as we continue along uh, things are not all that great but you just you just have to love those moments when when Sam uses his usual kind of Samness as as comeback. Yeah, and uh, so then Mary yeah. speaks up and he's like, "Excuse me, but I'm Mary. Uh, uh, you know, I'm Mary Brandybuck. I'm a Bucklander. What is this Bucklander? 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 Um, you know, what is this gate doing here? Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And uh, they're like, "Well, things have changed." There's a chief now up in Bag End. And Frodo's like, chief, you mean Lotho? And then the, like people just start to get a little like cagey. And they're like, oh, we'll just call him the chief. He's the big man. Things have changed. We do what he says. Yeah. And they're not really wanting to talk because, you know, they they could get in trouble, which is another indicator that, you know, things are things are weird. Odd things are happening in the Shire. And they also make reference uh, to the chief's big man, which, uh, you know, what is, who is this person? But, you know, Mary is not having any of this. And he, like, tears the notice off of the gate and throws it over. Mary's being very contrary. uh, Yes. Mary, Mary is quite contrary. Um, But... 
Yeah, so he and Pippin climb over the gate, which, you know, startles the already scared gatekeeper hobbits. Because, remember, our our hobbit friends are dressed a little oddly. Armed to the teeth. um, For Shire folk, yeah. So, uh, you know, Merry and Pippin climb over the gate, and the gatekeeper hobbits turn tail and run, uh, but not before sounding a horn. And now we get this, you know, the chief's big man that had been made reference to. And this, like, large, lumpy shape uh, comes out of this other, you know, strange house that has been built there. And who is it but Bill Fernie? Bill Fernie. You know, if I were a Funny DJ in Middle Earth, I think I'd go by the name Chill Fernie. Mm. DJ Chili Fresh. <laughs> oh, so God. All right. Yeah. <laughs> And and Mary basically just like shouts Bill down, and Bill just like gets afraid yeah. and runs away. And what should happen? But their pony, yes, says as he passed the ponies, one of them let fly with his heels and caught him just as he ran. He went off with a yelp into yes. the night and was never heard of again. Neat work, Bill said. Sam, meeting the pony. Yeah. Right. So Bill the Pony gets his revenge. Yeah. Which should everything make us in all this very book happy has a, and proud. Everything has a bookend. It's, everything yep. comes full circle. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> At this point, Mary's like, well, so much for the big man. We'll see the chief later. But yeah. we're sleepy and you tore the bridge down. So give us, uh, not the bridge, you tore the inn down. So give us a place mm-hmm. to sleep. And the guards are like, yo, oh, we got squatters the- rights. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, it's against the rules. We can't let you stay here. We can't give you food either. Like basically saying like there's a, like a portion system. And they're like, well, we yeah. it's like we brought food, you know, just give us somewhere to lie down, you know. Uh, also, is there any pipe weed? And they're like, oh, yeah, no, that's not really a thing anymore either. Yeah. So, he, you know, Right off the bat, we've got some rather s- strange and upsetting things uh, that have happened in the Shire. And it's that, yeah, okay, there's no pipe weed. Uh, the inn has been burned down. Um, and, you know, like, the, there's there's all these notices everywhere in this house of rules, lists of rules that uh, should not be broken. And, of course, Pippin breaks one of them by building, like, a nice fire yeah. in the hearth. Yeah, Which, you know, hobbits hobbits are people who like comfort and, you know, like, like, like to build a nice fire and have a nice meal and be with friends and then have a nice, a, a, a nice pipe weed afterwards. And, like, so all of these, you know, traditional hobbit customs are seem to have gone uh, by the wayside thanks to these so-called gatherers and sharers. Yeah. Yeah. And at this moment, Keanu Reeves comes and he's like, whoa, dude, hearth. I was about to, I was about to, I was about to make a hot fuzz reference, but damn. Okay. (laughs) It's all for the greater good. Uh, So anyway, Uh. they basically just say like, shut up. Don't tell us about the rules and we're going to do our thing. And then we also discover like there's no there's no beer either. So Sam is like, that's quite enough. I don't want to hear no more. No welcome, no beer, no smoke, and a lot of rules and orc talk instead. Orc talk. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they're like, you know, we'll just sleep now and get on things in the morning. So in the morning, they uh, kind of make out for bag end and things are different. Not only different, but kind of really dreary and bleak looking. They're they're setting out for Hobbiton and they see there's this kind of strange smoke that uh, seems to be uh, wafting up from like all around. And uh, it, it just everything looks very dreary. And even though, you know, as it makes note, it is November. It's still it just things look off and not not Shire like. And uh, they're on their way and they come across a group of hobbit sheriffs, which if you remember from way, 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 way back in the prologue, we had learned kind of about the, you know, all about the Shire and how it's how it's structured. So the sheriffs were, you know, basically what you would expect them to be. They're um, kind of like peacekeepers. But, you know, for most of the hobbits existence they didn't really have like a peacekeeper job it was mainly just like they'd go around and talk to people and do what hobbits do and what distinguished them was they had like feathers in their hats which is great but these hobbit sheriffs uh come across our hobbit contingency and promptly inform them that they are under arrest um for a long list of uh of offenses (laughs) A, a long list and, of arbitrary offensives. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because these are yeah these are these rules that have been set up that seem quite silly, including you know like I said that Pippin broke one of them by building like using more than a day's worth of wood to build a fire. So it's that kind of stuff. And then I just love what Sam retorts with because Sam once again sasses them. And adds to this laundry list of their offenses, saying, also, calling your chief names, wishing to punch his pimply face, <laughs> thinking you sheriffs look a lot like tomfools, which is pretty great. The pimply face uh, throw is... I didn't expect that from this book. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, you don't. Because for most of this book, we've spent, you know, we, we've this has not been a hobbit you know book it's about hobbits and you know we have our hobbit friends out with us but they're not in um they're not in hobbit location hobbit country they're out into the world uh learning about things and and changing a bit and now we're kind of back coming back towards their home but we'll see uh how their home has changed, how they have changed, and how this is all going to fall in together. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It is. This is kind of like the pimply face thing seems a bit out of character in the rest of the But of I mean, the at the same time, we're returning to the Shire, which is the place of hobbits and of the Hobbit. And the Hobbit is very tonally different from Lord of the Rings. And, you know, the book yeah. starts off very tonally different than the way it ends as well. So, well, or the way it I guess it's not yeah. ending different. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. We also learned that uh, the kind of like storage tunnels that Michael Delving have been turned into a jail. Now, Chase, do you yeah. remember what Michael Delving is? Oh, no. Uh, oh, oh, oh. It was, wasn't, oh, geez. Wasn't it like a museum? There was something, well, yeah, there was... There Michael was Delving itself a is a town, and it's the administrative capital of the Shire. But yes, 
there there's the Matham House at Michael Delving, which is yes, the yeah, I, and and uh, Bilbo donated a lot of stuff to it, including That's the right. musical coat, which he then later took mm-hmm. back and gave it to Frodo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so even their beloved museum, kind of the one, really the one cultural institution that the Hobbits have, has been co-opted and turned into a prison. Yeah, so um, you know this is we'll see a lot of this and we've already seen hints of it here, but things are being corrupted in the Shire. And I mean, if there's one thing we've talked a lot about in in this book, I mean, there are several things we've talked a lot about in this book, but one of them has definitely been corruption. And here we see it even in this kind of idyllic place. So. So the funny thing is they arrest that they arrest them, but they don't even really seem to know actually how to arrest them because they don't actually (laughs) restrain them in any way. And so our Hobbit friends just keep walking and they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll just meet you down there at the, where the green dragon is or where it used to be. I love the whole tone that is like, yeah, 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 you you totally arrest us or whatever. We'll just, we're just going to take care of this first. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. They, I I just love the whole imagery of of the absolute, yes, corruption, there's like corruption here, but still just this utter incompetence to everything. Well, and like, you know, making hobbits into these kind of like police chiefs and it's just a thing, you know, like I said, with the, the original kind of uh, thing that the sheriffs did was just kind of go around and check up on people and talk to people. <laughs> They're, they're not, you know, the arresting kind. These are hobbits. Uh, yeah, so it is. It's, hobbits, it's comical. Police um, chief. But also, but also sad. Scary. Hobbits being <laughs> police. It is very sad. Yeah, that's a 30 Rock deep cut for you. By the way, by the way. Yeah, that is. Uh, 30 Rock, 10 years ago, its pilot aired on October 11th. No. Isn't that crazy? So, I, I'm- I mean, I already had one of those recently, so 10-year things. Yeah, so next Tuesday. That's the 10-year anniversary of 30 Rock. Crazy. Anyway, so yes, um, they they continue on, and they're running into like more kind of sheriffs and uh, scoundrels, as it were, and they see just like trees have been torn up, and like the mill has been torn down, and there's kind of a almost like a factory there. And fundamentally what happens is that the uh, defining characteristic of the Shire has been entirely just kind of curtailed. Right. And they kind of continue along and um, eventually end up leaving the sheriffs behind uh, who once again yell at them, you're under arrest. And Frodo's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And, (laughs) and uh, they come now to Bywater where you know, if if you'll remember, Frodo and Sam are kind of from around here. And they notice, you know, that things are also changed in Bywater. There are several houses that are missing, you know, including, like you said, John, like the trees had been cut down. Uh, a lot of these houses seem to have been burned Not just down. houses, hobbit and holes, then, like, you know. Hobbit holes, gardens yeah. Gardens torn up. And, Yeah. And then off towards Bag End, they can see in the distance this tall chimney that's kind of spewing black smoke. 
into the air, uh, which is not, not a Shire thing either. And additionally, there doesn't seem to be anybody home. There, you know, all of the houses seem to be empty and no one is, is like coming to their doors at all. And the hobbits are heading towards the green dragon, which is also boarded up. And what they find there instead is these six kind of really shady looking figures, these men. And instantly they recognize and, and say that they look like people that they've seen before in Bree and at Isengard. Yeah. So uh, they kind of harass the hobbits and Mary's like not even dealing with it. He's like, we're going through and then they mentioned Sharky. And he's yeah. like, I told Sharky it was no good trusting those little fools, meaning the sheriffs. Like, you know, like we couldn't trust hobbits to arrest people. We're going to have to take care of it. And uh, so then what happens is it's very interesting. They keep talking about Sharky. Sharky this. Sharky's going to want to hear about this. We're going to take you directly to Sharky. Uh, and Frodo thinks, you know, like, oh, you're talking about Lotho, huh? Well, you know, we're on our way to see him. And the the ruffians laugh and like, ha, Lotho, as if. And they kind of hint that there's like someone else in charge, the boss, you know, Sharky, but we don't yeah. really know who that is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they kind of say, you know, Sharky is here to kind of change things and uh, to sort of shape shape up you and, hobbits. Yeah, and, and Frodo says one thing. I see you're behind the times. Much has yes. happened since you left the south. Your day is over, and all other ruffians. The dark tower has fallen, and there is a king in Gondor. Isengard has been destroyed. Yeah, your precious master is a beggar in the wilderness. I passed him on the road. The king's messengers will ride up the greenway now, not bullies from Isengard. And this offends the the men, and they kind of disrespect Frodo, and uh, Pippin is not having any of that. And so, if if you listen to the way that our hobbits are talking, it's you know quite quite different from uh, the way they would have you know spoken uh, to these people before their adventure. And Pippin, you know immediately disapproves of this disrespect to Frodo and speaks up and says, I am a messenger of the king and draws his sword. Speaks up, he like kind of uncloaks and reveals his uh, Gondorian queer ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And, you know, basically tells them to, you know, kneel before them on the road and ask for forgiveness or I will set this troll's bane in you because remember, Pippin slayed a troll on the battlefield yep. which is which was pretty great um and yes yeah, sam and mary draw their swords too and frodo doesn't but because well, frodo um, isn't really armed he anymore stands there. you know he gave sting to sam yeah. yeah i think he what kept a dagger for himself but i think yeah i think so but yeah frodo Frodo's not really coming to arms now but he is you know holding his own and um the men instantly notice now that these hobbits are different from the others these these hobbits are not are not like the other hobbits and they're, they're scared they're competent and they run away. they're competent and they think for themselves yeah. and have had character development and, <laughs> and right but and and they're also you know they're dressed in 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 kind of like warrior garb and they're 
you know, carrying arms and they have grim faces, I think is the, the word that's used. So yeah, what do they do? But they turn and run. Uh, but of course, not, not, not without blowing horns. So again, raising some kind of call to somebody who knows. And uh, Frodo watches all this and, and, you know, from hearing this talk of Sharky, now believes that his cousin Lotho is a prisoner and that they must come to his aid and rescue him. Yeah. So. And. I, I, I was just going to say, so from here, they basically start to do what Gandalf told them. They're like, wow, things are really yep. messed up in the Shire. And clearly ho- the Hobbits like, aren't going to take care of it themselves. And, you know, we, we know these people. They hate what is happening here. But none of them is going to be the first to stand up. So it's kind of like once we yeah. push back, they're going to be there with us. Right. And, you know, Mary and Pippin both kind of voice this. Um, well, Pippin voices something that uh, I think the reader identifies with, too. Like, you, you know, to think after all of this, you know, war that we've been involved in, to think to come back here and we still have to fight. It's kind of sad. Um, but, of course, you know, they, they want to do it and protect their home. But Frodo responds, you know, he doesn't really want to fight. And he insists upon there will be no killing of hobbits here because um you know no no hobbit has ever killed a hobbit in the shire and that's not going to change um and but regardless of 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 that which of course none of them would would desire that whatsoever frodo doesn't seem to really want to fight uh but mary basically says well we we need to lead these people like you were saying john we need to lead the hobbits we know them we know they don't like what's happening and uh what does mary have that can help us out here well mary has two things that can help us out here a winning First, smile and a mary luscious head of hair <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to that mary also has uh some battle strategy up his sleeve and he's got a certain gift from uh, a certain two characters from Rohan that we had talked about. So he pulls out the horn. That, that, yeah, the and horn. he's like, "I'm gonna blow, I'm gonna blow this horn," and it's uh, it's it's it's, it's a clear horn call as compared to the horn call we heard earlier. That was kind of like raising, you know, like oh, people come because Trixie hobbits are breaking it, you know, like it's it's like it's clarion and. <laughs> almost immediately like people are, are are inspired by this and it says uh the cry went up after mary blew the horn awake awake fear fire foes awake fire foes awake now do we remember this from anywhere sure do i'm not that's the thing Jog my memory a bit. That's the that's the cry that the hobbits raise when the Black Riders infiltrate the Shire in like chapter three. 
Oh, okay. So that early back, back. Yeah, okay, yeah. Huh. Isn't that a nice callback? It back? is a good callback. It is kind of like how this entire book is bookending. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so, it is a book. I mean, ex- should, yeah. yeah. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so as this is happening, Sam has been on his way to kind of like check in on people. He wants to go get the Cottons because he knows the Cottons will, will fight with him. And Sam just like sees people like hear this and people just like come out and they're like running and they're like, yeah, we got to join whatever happened, you know? And so he runs into, of course, uh, Farmer Cotton with his, his boys, Tom, Jolly, and Nick. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Sam. We thought you were dead. <laughs> and then Sam's like, nope, not dead. Also, neither is Frodo. He's here with his friends. We're uh, raising an army. We're going to clear out the ruffians. And then he's like, but we're going we're, we're gonna to take back the yeah, Shire. Yeah, but then Sam is like, oh, where's Rosie? Yeah, I, this is particularly noticeable of the moment where it's like, yeah, where's Rosie? Yep. Yeah, like he's 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 going to check on the ladies. He's going to check on Mrs. Cotton and of course on Rosie. Uh Yeah, so and Tom Cotton says, "Oh, you know, Nibs is with them. You can go check on them in the house." And Sam's like, "Yeah, I should go protect them as well." And Sam gets there and he's like, "Mrs. Cotton, Rosie, it's me." And Rosie's like, oh, my God, Sam, you know, I thought you were dead. I bet I've been expecting you since spring. You haven't hurried, have you? And then he's like, no, but we're here and raising an army and I'm here to protect you. And Rosie's like, well, why don't you go fight with the army? It's very like, Mm -hmm. it's cute. Like Sam is clearly like, I want to protect Mm -hmm. you. And Rosie's like, why don't you like be a be like a hero, Sam? I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) fine here. Yeah. But she also tells Sam that 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 she thinks he looks he, like doesn't she say you look fit you or look something fine. or yeah. you look fine i don't know yeah you look fine yeah, but and she says take care uh, of yourself so, yeah. and come straight back as soon as you've settled the ruffians yeah so uh meanwhile farmer cotton and his sons have basically gathered the entire village now and um we now see this kind of strategy that mary has been setting up and the hobbits have set up barriers in the roads and they've built some fires and they all are armed with something and a lot of the sheriffs end up joining them uh, like taking the feathers out of their hats and yeah you know seeing the error in their ways right yeah uh which which is a nice thing to see and um we get kind of an idea of how many of these ruffians there are that have been about. So Tom Cotton thinks that there's been, that there's about 300 in the Shire all told, and that they're armed with whips and knives and clubs and some bows. And then we learn that they've already have shot two hobbits at some point in the past. Speaking of shooting two hobbits, uh, one thing, Frodo is adamant about us. There's going to be no Hobbit on Hobbit violence. Frodo yes. says, "Like, let's try not to kill them at all, but especially don't kill any Hobbits." So Frodo is of the understanding and mindset that incompetence and apathy do not necessarily equal evil, which is what I kind of saw. Like with the like these Hobbits were not; they don't deserve swift justice, basically. They're just, they're they're caught in a bad situation, basically. 
I think Frodo yeah. has read the Milgram experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. But, and and Frodo, you know, of course, wishing for you know no Hobbit killing, even wants to spare the ruffians' lives. You know, he explicitly states, you know, don't kill them unless, of course, to protect hobbits. Uh, yeah, if this gets so in without yeah. violence, the better. Yeah, yeah, Frodo's seen enough of that to, to last him a lifetime. Uh, but yeah, Pippin has, meanwhile, kind of gone off to gather an army of tooks, uh, which is a thing that should instill fear into many. <laughs> And uh, now we come back to Mary, continuing to like kind of plan their their battle strategy. And essentially, what happens is, you know, this group of ruffians of like a hundred or so of them that has approached the the village, uh, they basically let them in the barrier, which the ruffians kind of laugh at and kind of start to threaten the hobbits and tell them that they're going to be beaten and that they, you know, it's like curfew time yeah. and stuff like that. But little do they know that uh, this, you know, amassed army of, of hobbits is starting to kind of close in on them and follow them down the streets. And the ruffians eventually confront Farmer Cotton, who's standing by this great bonfire that they've built. And uh, Farmer Cotton tells them they're not wanted here. And it's at this moment that the ruffians realize now, oh, no, they're surrounded by about 200 hobbits, all of which have weapons. And, you know, Mary does a thing that we've seen several characters do throughout this story. And he gives them a last chance. Mm hmm. Uh, to lay down their arms, to surrender, and to go peacefully. Go home. Just go home. Um, yeah, just, 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 just leave. Uh, but this leader is stupid, and you know doesn't know what he's getting into, and he decides he's going to fight. So he, you know, makes an attempt to stab Mary, and is immediately shot dead with four arrows. And uh, this prompts the we rest. Call that, we call that pulling a Boromir. Oh. Oh. I, I, I would be lying if I said I did not think the same thought uh, while reading this part. <laughs> you people are horrible. Yeah, we've been really horrible these past few chapters. Sorry. <laughs> you people are really horrible. So anyway, the rest of the ruffians kind of set down their arms and the hobbits bind them and imprison them in one of the nasty shacks that they've built mm -hmm. but they do bury the 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 leader of the ruffians which yeah. shows you know that our our hobbits are are people of honor and uh yeah sam now goes uh to, to find his gaffer he's going to bring him to to cotton's house and the others kind of go back to Cotton's house for dinner and ask for an explanation. And so now we hear the story of what went down in the Shire from Farmer Cotton. He told them all about how the Shire got turned flipped upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have made that joke every single book that we have read. 
for this podcast. <laughs> have I we apologize? Have we had a Fresh Prince? Yes, I I, th- I swear to God, that. we have had a Fresh Prince every single book. <laughs> All right. So then. the return of the Fresh Prince. <laughs> so anyway, he's like, well, it kind of happened when you left Frodo. Like, I don't want to blame you, but. Mm-hmm. You're, it's all your fault. It's when, Lotho, it's when Lotho moved in and Lotho was kind of contemptible and he had been buying up properties. And basically we get the impression that Lotho wanted to become kind of a, 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 a robber baron, you know, like the Hobbit equivalent thereof. And he had, mm-hmm. you know, Lotho had already been, started to do this and he was buying up a um pipe weed and like sending it off elsewhere we don't know where but you know it's it's isengard clearly and um then it's kind of gotten worse since sharky came in later you know after the fact and um you know i was thinking about this like because it, it it started by lotho's hand you know this started with a hobbit mm-hmm because this started when Frodo left. This isn't, you know, like, it's intensified in the past four months, but this isn't, like, exclusively the past four months. And I was what, I was thinking, you know, like, the ring spent so much time in Bag End, even though we as the audience, like, view that as a very, like, lovely and, like, calm and kind of peaceful place. Like, do you think there's residual evil in, in Bag End or something about, like, you know, the corruption of the ring has almost spread to, to Lotho and enabled his... um you know, his more undesirable traits. I think that Lotho and the Sackville Bagginses are, of course, prone to being, you know, because they are, they're prone to being greedy and um, they've, they've had their eye on Bag End since, since Bilbo was there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it could just be that the evil of the ring is able to, put pressure upon areas that are already pressure points and you know and this being one of them because my own personal headcanon for the evil of the ring the magic of the ring is very is at odds with this kind of reading but that's also my own headcanon and the book has never really confirmed this so (laughs) yeah but 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 you're right it kind of this all of this bad news did kind of start with Lotho and then uh, was amplified with the arrival of this sharky that we've that we've heard tell of and um, so apparently now sharky is the one who is at back end and is really you know the real chief the real kind of head honcho here and he's been there since September and you know Cotton tells tells the hobbits that you know they've knocked down the mill and now there's this great you know, chimney there that's always spewing smoke. And even Lobelia Sackville Baggins resisted these these ruffians, these men who have come. And she, like many others, has been locked up. Mm-hmm. So you got to feel, even you know, if even Lobelia Sackville Baggins takes offense to, to, to people, they got to be real bad because yeah. she's not all that of a desirable of a character. Um. But then Sam comes back with the gaffer who also scolds Frodo for leaving yeah. <laughs> and for selling Bag End because they've been and dug up Bagshot Row and ruined my taters. Well, and what I love, though, is it says that the gaffer looking not much worse for the wear, but definitely a little more deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah, the next day they kind of regather in the, the central uh, area of Bywater. 
And Mary comes and brings some news. There are about a hundred-ish ruffians kind of gathering in the hills. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. however, uh, things, well, sorry, I don't know where I was going with this. Let's just go back to, uh, there are a hundred ruffians gathering in the hills. Mm-hmm. But Pippin also comes back with his kind of army of tooks that he had promised to bring. And still, Mary is planning the fight. Well, um, and yeah. And what's interesting is like the way that Pippin comes back is Pippin comes back with just a couple of people, but he's like, oh, yeah, there are like a hundred tooks on the way. Mm-hmm. So. Pippin comes back as the ruffians kind of like make their second engagement. And Pippin's like, oh yeah, reinforcements on the way. And this reminded me a lot of um, basically every major battle that's happened in this book. Yeah. You know, uh, Helm's Deep or... Uh, Pelennor. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it's like reinforcements are coming. They will be there. Yeah. Um, but we also had kind of a little bit of a side battle going on too because so uh pippin's father you know the old took uh was you know still had some more of 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 this took army and they had pushed some of the men out uh, away so there was like a kind of a side battle going on too because pippin's father is like if any anybody is gonna rule the shire it's gonna be a descendant of the great took yes uh, but yeah, now basically we have the, the, the real, the battle proper, which goes down in history known as the Battle of Bywater. And, um, it's... There was a, actually, an, interestingly enough, in, in Hobbit history, this was really controversial, and there was a, um, a committee set up to investigate it, and they called it Bywater Gate. You never see it coming, do you? You never see it coming. You know, we should by now. We really should. Uh, what is it, like episode 88 or 92 <laughs> or something like that? Something like you th- that. You think in, in 11 years of friendship and two years of weekly podcasts, you would recognize my setups, but no. You know, that good. I, I, just, I just have some optimism still. <laughs> you know, it's very Sam-like of you. I know. But at any rate, the Battle of Bywater results in about 70 deaths of these ruffians and about and 19 deaths of hobbits. And it's also, you know, it, it was the last battle that ever occurred in the Shire and the first since, if you remember way back when, you know, like I had said earlier, you know, we had some setup of the organization of the Shire, but also the, the history of the Shire and the prologue. Uh, remember that the the first and only other battle in the shire was the battle of greenfields back in 1147 and other than that you know hobbits had sent a couple of archers to help with with you know skirmishes in gondor because they had basically been a protectorate of of gondor but um but yeah this was a big deal uh a, a fighting in the shire a battle in the shire and it was remembered and put in the West, in the West, the Red Book, sorry. Uh, and this was also when uh, 
the cottons kind of gained some fame because, you know, as we've seen, Farmer Cotton, you know, rallied the troops really and uh, proved to be a good leader. But also our friends Mariatic and Peregrine were very honored. Yeah. But, but Frodo, dear Frodo, he didn't fight. He, he, he counseled and he mm-hmm. kept people from retaliating. That's, that was his contribution, like, as is noted. Yeah. And um, I think we passed this, but I briefly want to mention it. It's when the gaffer, since we're talking about oral history, when the gaffer was like, sees Frodo again, it's like, oh, yeah, how was your travels with, you know, with Sam? Mr. Frodo and Frodo says, "Oh, they were great. Sam is one of the most famous people in the world now, and people are, yeah, writing songs about him and telling his tales." And Sam is like, gets a little embarrassed by this. Yeah, yeah, it's very cute. But that's a nice note. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, that's, and it's also a direct callback to that incredibly emotional conversation that the two of them have when basically all hope has abandoned them, and they're saying like, "One day, Mr. Frodo, will they sing? You know, will they?" Will they speak of us? Will people sing the tale of Mr. Frodo? And Frodo's like, don't forget, you know, his companion, Sam. Yeah. It's, it's a really great callback to that. Yeah. And here we are. You know, this is exactly what has happened. Yeah. So then um, they make their way to, of course, Bag End. And what do they see? Well, everything's been torn up, including the great party tree, which wasn't even used for anything. They just chopped down and left it there. Yeah. Which is really, you have to look at this, you know, yeah, the, the, the party tree was cut down for no reason whatsoever. Um, just, just to be gross. So that's the kind of evil. And so they go up to, uh, to Bag End and the, the trees along the road have been chopped down and the garden's just been destroyed and there are shacks in front of the house and they get they get to bag end and the door is kind of bedraggled and they ring the bell chain but well they pull the chain but the bell doesn't ring and they knock and nobody answers so they just kind of push the door open and, and everything inside is just in disarray and filthy yeah and there's like rats everywhere and they, they're, they're going through these rooms. And this is like, you know, we you know, we talked before about Bag End being this kind of place of warmth and comfort. And um, you know, a, a also kind of a, a symbol of the Shire coming back home to the Shire and they've come back home and home is not what it should be. And home has been destroyed. And it's very, very sad. And then a figure appears. Frodo cries out, Sharky. And Sharky kind of laughing in the distance. (laughs) Yes, it is me. Mm -hmm. And And who who, is is Sharky? It's Saruman. Oh, who saw that coming? I yeah. I honestly didn't, so, uh, and when that revealed happened, oh, really? I, no, I did not, because we literally just passed him. Yeah, yeah. on on the on remember, the trip. They spent a lot. They spent a lot of time in Rivendell. And yeah, okay. what I mean, you know, this this was hinted at previous. I'm not saying that you're wrong in not expecting this, but like, yeah, they spent a lot of time in Rivendell, and it was previously hinted that 
Saruman had trade with the Shire because mm-hmm. he had South Farling, South mm-hmm. Farthing leave. So yeah, Saruman one looks in great health. He looks much better than when they passed him. Yep. And uh, two, he's he's kind of talking and saying, you know, did you think that you could destroy my home and I wouldn't be able to destroy yours? You know, even for all you've suffered, I've taken away that for which you suffered. Right. Yeah, because you know what was an uh, you know I mean obviously you know they set out to to save the world right but uh, really there's something that Gandalf had said way back in the beginning that you know the Shire has lived in kind of relative peace and harmony and has been relatively untouched by the by uh, the darkness that's out in the world right now but that isn't guaranteed to last. And indeed, here it is. So this kind of darkness and corruption and 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 bad things that they've found out in the world has come back to their home. And yeah, Frodo kind of orders Saruman to leave. <laughs> and well, and the others want to kill him. Yeah, and, yeah. and Saruman says. If you kill me, the Shire will forever be cursed. And um... and then Frodo has this great response. So first of all, he tells them, well, no, friends, listen, Saruman doesn't have any power anymore. And all just he, his words. Just, yeah, just his voice that, you know, he can use to deceive you. Um, but and, and he says, do not kill the wizard. And Frodo's phrasing here is really great. And I think such a mark of his character as he's evolved and grown as we've seen over the story. And he says, it is useless to meet revenge with revenge. It will heal nothing. So, you know, we had this. Not not just that, but he says Saruman was once great. Yeah. And he doesn't say it at this moment. He says it, I think, earlier. But uh, he says that Saruman does the work of Sauron even when he thought he was doing it for himself. Mm-hmm. So even this great deceiver has been mm-hmm. deceived. Yeah. Yeah. And then and- what should happen? But Saruman calls out, almost like calling a dog, his loyal servant. Yeah, calls for worm. And Wormtongue and, follows uh, and and is like again like this like prattling, uh, depressed dog groveling. And, and 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 there's this moment I didn't highlight it for some reason, but I definitely remember this moment uh, where one of them is like, "You don't have to." But was that earlier? Well, was it earlier? So, where it's like you don't no. Need so to. what happens? What happens is Saruman is like, "Come, Worm, we're leaving." And as they as they walk by, was well, basically like we're being evicted. Yeah, yeah. But as they yeah. walk by. Saruman it says passed close to Frodo and kind of flashed out a knife and tried to stab Frodo. But of course, Frodo is still wearing his mithril, so the blade just snapped. Yeah. And uh, a dozen hobbits, led by Sam, leapt forward with a cry and flung the villain to the ground. So at this point, Sam is just like ready to kill Saruman. Oh yeah. And and Frodo redoubles his, um, you know, his. his th- and this is when he says. This goodness showed for showing Frodo showing again this goodness yeah. and mercy and yeah he says something really important. Um, and and 
what's great is is Saruman says to this mercy, like you have grown halfling. Mm -hmm. You are wise. You are wise and cruel. You have robbed my revenge of sweetness, and now I must go hence in bitterness, in debt to your mercy. I hate it and you. But right before Saruman says this, the thing that Frodo says is also something that I really like. And Frodo says of Saruman, he says, he is fallen and his cure is beyond us, For I, but I would still spare him in the hope that he may find it. So we've had this theme of this, you know, mercy and pity and, and such, you know, from from Go- to Gollum to, you know, now coming to... Yeah, but to- they, 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 they spared Saruman three months ago and now... You know, a dozen hobbits and seventy men are dead because of it. Yeah. Yeah. They did, <laughs> but Frodo still clings to this idea of mercy and pity because oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Frodo, but I'm saying I think that the point of this, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I think the point of this is to illustrate the fu- fundamental conundrum here. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but Frodo still clings to that and making the point of that this is this person has fallen and his, you know, he, there's nothing we can do for him. Um, but we still shouldn't kill him. Uh, and then Frodo says, Wormtongue, you can stay. You've never slighted me. You've never done evil yourself. And Saruman says, oh, hasn't he? Wormtongue killed Lotho, stabbed him while he slept. And this is then the only time Wormtongue really speaks. He's like, Yeah, it really is. You ordered me to. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes, Wormtongue has been a vehicle for evil, but only through the influence of Sauron's kind of corrupting voice. Saruman? Yes. Saruman I mean, by Sauron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, connect- yeah. Technically, I'm somewhere. true. Yeah. But no, yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then uh, Saruman kind of laughs and Wormtongue is on the ground and Saruman kicks Wormtongue in the face and says, come, basically like, you know, come servant, like being super, just as dismissive as you can be. And this is and, when Wormtongue snaps. Yeah. And he, uh, he rises, he rose up and drew a hidden knife and like a snarl with a snarl like a dog he sprang on Saruman's back jerked his head back cut his throat and with a yell ran off down the lane before Frodo could recover or speak a word three hobbit bows twanged and worm tongue fell dead so the death of Saruman it's important to say is brought not by not not by the hobbits not by Frodo uh, not by these people that he's wronged, but by Wormtongue. Uh, by his own, cor- by his own kind of corruption and um, and bending of of will. He's he had basically bent Wormtongue to his will, right? And by this, by this whole process brings about his own end i mean keep the analogy by, uh, go, going by grabthar's hammer <laughs> by the sons of warvan i mean keep the he ana- found his vengeance i mean by that analogy he kept he kept bending him until he snapped yeah yeah and then it says uh kind of a, a gray fog kind of mingled about the body of saruman and when it left 
uh, the body showed kind of its true age. A mm-hmm. billion years old. And <laughs> but then, so this 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 gray mist kind of rises up, and it's sort of lingering in the air, and seems to be looking to the west. And then this wind from the west comes and blows it away. <laughs> and I just wonder, you know, I mean, <laughs> I feel like you'd have to be pretty obtuse, but what is this wonderful symbolism? The postal service. It's no. Uh, it's it's like trying to reclaim. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Redemption, but not being of worth. Denied. Yeah, being denied redemption or something along those lines. Yeah. Well, and Saruman was given a chance at redemption. Yeah, you and know, Frodo. Mm-hmm. And waited a little. I mean, Sev- just waits it too long. I mean. Several chances at redemption from Galadriel, from Gandalf, from Frodo, and denied them every time. And so what is, you know, this this mist, this essence that's come up from his corpse now that looks to the West and the West will not have him. So boom. And this now, you know, the we kind of end the chapter on this note of the Hobbit's seeing this as the final actual end of the war it's the final actual end of the war or (laughs) and everybody is standing around feeling kind of gross so yay because we've ended the war but we have not cleaned up the mess yeah exactly yeah and just the fact that the war kind of reached the tendrils of it reached all the way to the shire it's very disturbing um and unsettling because this you know should have been their homecoming returning home but it doesn't feel yet that they've returned home no because you know they've 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 come back and it's it things things are not as they should be and um, they've had to do more fighting in a place that they would never have imagined having to do fighting. Yeah. So with that, what was everyone's favorite part of the chapter? Uh, definitely for me, when Sam was, or I mean, when Frodo was like, oh yeah, Sam is super famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because earlier, you know, at the gate, like, I think Mary and Pippin were like, Frodo is one of the most famous people out there. Don't you do this to him. But, like, when it, he was in the moment, Frodo was like, no, Sam is one of the most famous people out there. <laughs> it was just, it was, it, yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, mine is from kind of early on in the chapter uh, when they're talking to the gatekeeper hobbits, I believe, Either that or they're talking to the to the sheriffs at the sheriff house. Uh, but Sam says something that I just love. He says, if I hear not aloud much oftener, I'm going to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like that. This one's a tough one for me because for the first time in this entire book, I, I didn't like this chapter. <laughs> I really didn't like this <laughs> chapter. Not in that like... I didn't like like the tone or anything. I just straight up everything seemed out of nowhere to me. Like the broad strokes of it I could see like coming, but I don't know, like this this chapter like weirded me out. Like 
Your, your response reminds me. Uh, you remember when Harry Potter five came out? Uh huh. This is a spoiler alert to anyone who has not yet read the Harry Potter series or seen the movies. Sirius Black dies at the end of book. Five. Yeah. What? In he he dies in protecting Harry. Yep. Harry makes a stupid decision. Yep. Sirius dies for no reason. Effectively. I mean, he he died to protect Harry, but Harry feels like Sirius died for no reason. And I was, I was like fourteen when those came out. When that, that book came out, I really don't remember. Um, a little little more mature, uh, comparatively speaking, because I was spending that weekend at a friend's house, and he had a younger sister who was a couple years younger, and we were all and so I was staying with my friend and. His sister had a friend over. So the four of us spent the entire weekend just reading Harry Potter. And when the sister's friend finished it, she was like, I hate that ending. That ending is so stupid. Like being really dismissive and, you know, like just. And 14 year old me was kind of, you know, like, oh, you're stupid. You don't get it, child. <laughs> but, you know, in retrospect, what it really is, is it's, it's something that's profoundly uncomfortable because it doesn't fit in the narrative that we want. Well, but... Uh, the author includes it for a reason, you know. Like, I, I, I totally see where you're no, coming no, from, I, Chase, and I don't, I, I don't think anybody likes the scouring of the Shire, but it's included for a reason, you know. Like, no, 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 that, it that, happens for a reason, that, even if we don't want to. Accept that's not that. the problem I have with it. I, I, in fact, I feel like actually from like from like the way the the chapter feels, I like the uh, I love like the fact of yes, they should come home and everything should be wrong. It's the fact that Saruman, I just can't get past that. Something about that was just like, uh, okay. I mean, it makes sense, but it just still seems like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it's not that. And I imagine if I went back and read the first few chapters of The Fellowship of the Ring, Tolkien was totally setting this up. And I just was not seeing the finer pieces there. But um, no, it's not, it's not a tonal problem. Like, that's fine. It's just everything about it just was. It, it just the the way it was it's like every it was like i'm ready for like this like this bigger problem in the shire but i didn't expect the bigger problem to be and it's saruman i kind of expect it to be something yeah. more about the hobbits and that the hobbits caused well when you think about it it kind of is though i mean it is but it isn't that's the well, thing and what's interesting actually is in this chapter it's not really frodo and sam that rescue the shire they're like supporting roles mm-hmm. it's mary and it's pippin Ma- yep yep yeah very much so and if you look at the structure of it who is it that riled up the ents it's mary and pippin mm-hmm. and it, you know because of that like mary and pippin are responsible for saruman's expulsion from isengard more so than frodo and sam ever were so it, it it's really fitting and beautiful that kind of mary and pippin in their roles as you know, stewards of uh, Gondor and Rohan, like, are rising up to be leaders because this, you know, the book didn't focus on them as much. The book focused on the journey of Frodo and Sam. That's the largest, you know, single storyline that we get. And I mean, the book is written by Frodo and polished up by Sam, so that's why. But their journey was almost like a penance, whereas. Mary and Pippin's journey was to develop. Yeah, you've... you know, like the 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 greater story of Lord of the Rings is that 
mankind is taking over for the elves and mankind has to assume that responsibility. Mm -hmm. But even within that, it's... Hobbits have their part in that. Exactly. And hobbits have to develop this responsibility. Yeah. And so, you know, Merry and Pippin kind of... I'm not going to say that they caused this, but they mm-hmm. this this is an answer to their journey in a way that only Frodo yeah. and Sam had previously gotten. I just I guess I was like expe- this is mm, I don't know. I guess I was just expecting they were to come back home and the the Shire had changed this way that they were more reflective of understanding the problems of the Shire. Some of the stuff I probably I don't know. I need to think about this chapter a little bit more, a little longer, and I might have a better, I might have like a re- response to this next week. They, yeah, they came, they came back home, and suddenly Hill Valley was a really bad neighborhood. Excuse me, Biff Tannen like casino in the middle of everything would be hilarious. Oh, I mean, it did have that tone for a little while there. <laughs> it was almost like this like Mad yeah. Max sort of situation that came back. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I, I ultimately what's important about it is that it didn't break their it didn't break them, you know. Yep. I will say this: the theme of the chapter I still love, which is you may yeah you may get back home from the war, but you still bring the war with you, along with not everything can always be fixed so easily as yeah. as well, as, almost, as dropping it, a ring into a, like, into a fire. You know, it's not that it, easy. It's almost like an optimistic book of Job. It's like even when you've saved the world, yeah. bad things are still going to happen to you. That's that and aspect is amazing. I love that part of it, though. You know, let's let's not forget that just before this, Gandalf had told them, like, you know, this is what you have been training for. Basically, you've come back now, and you are prepared to lead your people and you know shepherd your people and protect them. Um. So. This is what the result is. The result is our 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 you know young kind of carefree hobbits as they started have evolved into these you know incredibly intelligent and um, and effective leaders. But ultimately, my favorite part was the whole part where they're say, saying to Gaffer that Sam was super famous now, the most famous of hobbits. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I don't really have anything else that I want to talk about. Nothing that I have to add is an appropriate addendum here. But if you guys have anything else you want to. Like a favorite from the week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't have like a, a, a recommendation per se, but I did see something that was my favorite thing from the week uh, because I am very much looking forward to it and it is a trailer i saw for a series that is coming to netflix on friday january 13th and it is a series of unfortunate oh events. yeah there's a trailer out for that and yeah the trailer was that. released like yes yesterday i think yeah it, you should watch it it's pretty great it the trailer just features lemony snicket like okay. you don't see the baudelaire orphans and you don't see you hear count olaf but yeah uh, i'm i'm really excited for it I hope it's really good. Yeah, that could, that could be good. I yeah, I love I loved the book series. I think the movie kind of didn't really work. So, 
Well, the movie, they didn't know what they were doing. So ultimately yeah, when it comes down to it. Yeah. <laughs> and also Neil, Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf, I think is great. Yeah. That, that seems like perfect casting. I, I I have two brief things. Um, one because one because one is something that we've talked about previously, but they both have to do with Netflix. But I mm-hmm. too finished Stranger Things finally, yes. and it it truly is probably my favorite thing from this year. Um, I've not seen anything. I was so heavily criticizing that trailer for that for that show. I finally watched it, and it felt right up my alley in ways I didn't expect. Um, uh, well, I, since we're talking about Stranger Things, I too finished it in the past week. Uh-huh. Um, I really didn't like the story it told. I like the way it told the story, but I didn't care for the story itself. Yeah, it's it's weird. It it, it it's like it, the one thing I had was like it cleaned up its storyline too nicely, and this got to the, and I got to the end thinking. There's no season two, right? This is going to be an anthology thing. And then it kind of has these little tendrils that kept going on. It was more like I think I was building up stuff more in my brain along the way. It's still my favorite thing from 2016, but I've also not seen anything really worthwhile from 2016, which would bring up my second thing to recommend, though. Ultimately, my biggest problem was the monster. Yes. Was CGI. Because they went out of their way to have so many wonderful practical effects. Give me more of those Christmas lights any day of the week. The way that, that you know, the way that they set those up and individual lights would turn on. Like, oh, that, that was so beautiful. That is my biggest criticism and, uh, of that show is I actually do not like the monster. Uh, well, yeah, because I kind of wish that the monster had stayed kind of uh, more ambiguous unknown. as it had been before. Yeah. It was really unknown, and you didn't see much of it. But I, there are also really great theories about the monster. So, well, and my, I have I have a big theory about the monster that makes me go like, I, ultimately, I don't think the monster is as important as it's made to be, like because of things shown in the very last episode. But um, yeah. I'm not going to go into spoilers on that or anything like that. But I'm just going to say that was also my biggest problem too. But I think they'll also, be going to answer that I, in the second season. I have, a, I have a huge, huge problem with Barb. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I love Barb. Barb is amazing. So I was like expecting something big from her character when I watched it. And then she's in two scenes and then they kill her and nobody mourns it at all. Yeah, uh, that that distressed me, too. In fact, I the the like the the very last. The very last episode, I was going, yeah, but what about Barb? <laughs> So yeah, that was another thing I had to. One one last thing I want to say about Stranger Things, Dustin, one of the one of the kids, the best boy. Yes, <laughs> I, I was gonna say my favorite thing about his character is that for the, like the last three episodes, he wore a shirt that just said Artichoke Festival. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I want that shirt. Yeah, that that's all I have to add. Also, Dustin is best boy. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I, I've not actually. I've only talked to like a few people who have actually seen the show, and I've. But anyway, I really like it. Probably my favorite thing from 2016, but I've not seen much of anything worthwhile in 2016. So take that as you will. All right. Well, shall we wrap things up here? Yes. So, once again, before we go, I would like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast through means of Patreon. 
We uh, really do appreciate each and every one of you for helping us out. So thank you once again to Ryan Hepler, Nathan Klump, Mwad Abdul Hamid, Kevin Reynolds, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Dunlany, Jiang Hua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Adam Khan, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, G3, Brian Osborne, and Micah Laney. Uh, I think you, you're, you're skipping someone there. Who? Wait. Did you not say your dad? I did. Oh. His name is G3. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I, I was expecting the full name. Anyway, Katie's dad. <laughs> yes. It, it, it made me very happy. <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually have one favorite thing to add that I forgot about. Um, follow the follow the Instagram account, Tiny Chief. That's just tiny underscore chief. It is a dachshund. It is adorable. It's actually my, it's my physical, no, it is my physical therapist's dachshund's Instagram. I know that's a very tenuous connection, but- Oh my God, this is an adorable puppy. And it makes my, oh, I showed everybody on my team at work. And like, whenever there's new posts, somebody's like, oh my God, giant teeth. And then we all look at it and we all just like fawn over this adorable puppy for five minutes. Oh my God. Oh my God. This dog is cute. Yeah. I don't oh, have my Jesus. phone with me, but I'm going to look at oh, it. Oh God. Sure, and yeah. I'm probably going to squeal. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, Chase's expression or response. I'm so. Yeah, but on that note, we should <laughs> wrap that, it up. Uh, join us next week as we discuss chapter nine of book two of the Return of the King, uh, otherwise known as book six of the six books, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is the last chapter. Mm-hmm. The Grey Havens. Get ready for waterworks, people. Like the Handel music? Handel's water music? Yes. I love Baroque. But yeah, um, this journey comes to an end next week. And we'll see you there. I'm John. I'm Katie. I'm Chase. Thank you for listening. We are Thank you for all listening to Talking Tiny Chiefs. Oh you can my find God, us online at talkingtolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge. And we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 